Hey everybody, this is producer Brock coming to you once again from the back porch with the noise of rushing water and night animals making noises in the background. Uh, just want to let you know, quick producer's note, that uh, we are trying out and trying to get uh, situated with some new equipment that we got for our uh, new co-host Armando. Uh, and he's been uh, happy enough to to try that out and make it uh, make it work as well, as best as we can. That being said, we haven't figured it out yet, and I'm sure you will find that out when you listen to this episode. But uh, I guess what we have here is uh, Robo Luna, I suppose, or something like that. Anyways, we're working on it. Sorry about that. We'll get to it. Uh, it well, hopefully, it'll get better as time goes along. But uh, you know, one step at a time. So we appreciate your patience. We know you're the kind of patient people that can put up with a little bit of BS here and there. So, thank you. And now, on to this week's episode. Well, how are we going to do this? What's burning? <laughs> I should ask the same thing. What's burning? Oh, we left the Juanitas in the back of the oven. <laughs> <laughs> Sprocket Podcast, where we are simplifying the good life. I'm Armando Luna. And I'm Aaron Flores, broadcasting from the People's Republic of Portland, nestled in the heart of Cascadia. We are the show that brings you somewhat irreverent conversations about the intricacies of thinking locally with a global perspective and enjoying the best that life has to offer along the way. Covering bicycling, trains, transit, adventures, and life hacks. And today, Janae liberates your ride. We've got Janae Etheridge in the virtual studio with us today. Uh, Janae, how's it going? It is so good. Thanks for having me. <laughs> You're welcome. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about the Black Liberation Ride that you've started here in Portland um, and uh, about various other bikey things that you've been doing here. And uh, you also have a or a part of a nonprofit called We Got Next, correct? Yeah, that's correct. It's um, a DJ org that empowers underrepresented communities in Portland and beyond um, to learn DJing and, uh, yeah, just music curation. Right on. I would love to hear more about that um, as we get into it. Uh, in the meantime, Armando, what's happening? What's going well? Um, I didn't have a lot of time from finishing up my work to getting ready with this new I took equipment you gave me to use, so I was scrambling at the last minute. You're you're uh, guinea pigging switching our, laptops, things like that. Yeah, I made you our guinea pig for uh, I don't know what you would call it a, a new interface for microphones into into our laptop or into your laptop, I guess. Yeah, sure. <laughs> it sounds all right. It's, it, I'm not going to start getting tech talk with you. <laughs> I really want to. Um, but before we move on, I want to give a special shout out to our sponsors, the Beermongers on Southeast Division and 12th. Uh, it's a special day for them. Um, by now, as the recording comes out, uh, it's in the past, but they have been open now for more than 4,000 days in a row. I think that's pretty awesome. Um, they put out a little uh, a little blurb there, just thanking everybody, and I just want to I want to mark that four thousand days in a row, um, even with a pandemic going on. I think that's a pretty good accomplishment, and I want to congratulate them. They've been really good to us, and um, yeah, congratulations. I just, I just did the calculator quickly because I couldn't figure out how long that was. So it's like almost eleven years. Oh, really? 11 yeah. years, no closures. Nice. Well, congratulations to the beer mongers. And they have provided, I grabbed today a Oregon tonic kombucha. Um, this is one I've never even heard of before. Their NA, their non-alcoholic section is growing steadily. Um, this is a ginger and it is very tart. That's how I like it. And we made a trip there this weekend to pick up some beverages and I picked out the Block 15 Brewing Company IPA. Mostly because I had a really cool um, 
deep sea diaper logo on it. So I like that. Yeah. Do you, are you like Guthrie where you shop by label? Oh, totally. Yeah. yeah. Something stands out. I, that's interesting. I want to see that. I'm, I'm not too picky about my beers as long as it's not a half a wise. I see. <laughs> Janae, do you have a, a beer preference that you like? Um, no, I, I don't really do beer, but I love a good hopped cider. Hop cider. Yeah. Um, yeah. Did, does Reverend Nats have a hop cider? I don't think so. Yeah. I live right next to them, um, oh. but I <laughs> don't visit too often. Yeah. Yeah. I live right near Cocoa Donuts and I think I've been there like twice. Yeah. We've got a Blazers game going on in our courtyard right now, so I'm going to apologize to our listeners if it might be coming through, or you might also be hearing our neighbors cheer and or boo, depending on what's going on. (laughs) Anna's in the background saying they they will be booing. Apparently it's not going well. Well, Janae, we didn't come here to talk about the Blazers, unless you want to. (laughs) But... uh, we specifically wanted to talk about the Black Liberation Ride um, and then other things, but let's start there. This started, what, five years ago now? I believe so. It yeah. started in 2016. Okay. Yeah, yeah it started um, by my friend. It was just like, I think seven or eight of us um, wanting to get together on Juneteenth and just do like a bike ride around the neighborhood and since then um they they did the first year and then i i've organized all the following years and basically it has grown every year uh little by little from like 15 people to 20 to 30 um it's always held on juneteenth which is june 19th for those who don't know it's basically celebrating the emancipation of the last uh, American slave. So it's also kind of known as like the black 4th of July because on July 4th independence day, um, not all slaves were, were freed yet. So yeah, it was just a way to create community um, and then get uh, people of color and black folks in particular on bikes because that's not seen very often in Portland. So um, it's open to any people of color just because it is Portland. We want to create as much community as we can uh, in what's known as the country's widest city. So yeah, the ride's open to people of color. We usually meet at a park, do a tour of like, a black owned business and then also like a historically black landmark in the past we've been to like urban league of portland we stopped by bison coffee which is native owned um we stopped at stupid burger which was a black owned burger shop r.i.p yeah i used to live right down the street from them yeah they were they were they were so good yeah. <laughs> um but you know, it happens like some of the, it's hard to have a, a restaurant, especially in Portland. There's a lot of competition. So I do believe he, he went on to other things though. I think the, the owner went on to, to still do a, a burger joint. He's just simplified the menu. I think I read in Willamette. That's what I heard. I haven't really like seen any, I don't know. I haven't really seen anything on my feed. Okay. Um, but I miss stupid burger. It was so good, especially the fries. Yeah, and that sauce, man. Their fry sauce. Yeah, what a loss. But yeah, like, so we we just, you know, get together, have like uh, a short ride around around Portland, and then we'll usually end at somewhere to eat for folks to like meet meet new new friends. Hopefully you find a new ride buddy. Hopefully you, you find someone who can, you know, like help you find a new bike if that's what you're looking for um some people you know like just find really good friends there so um that's how it started and then this year i was just planning like i normally do um planning for like max 50 people i was like okay if we get like 50 people to come that's like a good turnout um and aaron you've been there in the past right where it was just like it was like 30 40 people 12 i was 
I don't. Yeah. It was just a, a, like a handful of people. Well, it started off big and then people peeled away towards the end. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But um, like in, in prior years, it was like not too many, like maybe like 30-ish, 40, that was a good amount. Um, and then I think like I, I was just planning for that amount this year. And then like I think just because of the, the movement for Black Lives and everything happens really like cool. literally right before. Yeah. Yeah, that just like made it blow up, and it, like so many people came, way more than we, ex- me and my friend Stephen were expecting, and it was like probably like five hundred to eight hundred people. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> um. So yeah, it was great. It was a lot of attention, a little stressful because I was planning for like a 30, 40 person ride and it was like way more people just offering money, donating all these things, just getting, we got a lot of press for it. It was just like, uh, not really anything that we had expected or planned for, but it was great to be able to have a giant community ride like that and just see like so many, like a sea of like melanin. It was like, it was amazing. It felt like we weren't even in Portland. <laughs> it felt like we were in an actual city. <laughs> it felt like LA or like yeah. Chicago. I don't know. It was wild. You were on this year, right, Armando? Yeah, it was a really big group. It was, it was pretty large. Uh, <laughs> you, t- you talked about in the past, you would stop at places and, and talk about the places you visited, the black-owned businesses, things like that. And it was mm-hmm. so big. We were, I was in the back or maybe towards the middle. And, you know, we didn't hear anything that was going on. It was so big. No, I mean, we had planned for that in the beginning, but it was just like the RSVPs kept growing and we were just like, we can't, we can't stop. No one's even going to hear us. We have one (laughs) megaphone. So, (laughs) yeah, maybe in another year. (laughs) At one point you were going to have a sound system with you. Did that end up happening this year? Um, We kind of did, but it was just honestly so many people that like you know if you were around a sound system you could hear it um but then it was kind of nice because there was just like different people had their own small like little setups or like sound systems so in different parts of the crowd you could hear all different kinds of music which was amazing and also not what i expected (laughs) i heard there was like a lot of twerking on bikes and stuff it's like my goal for future rides right Uh, what was some of the like new logistics that you, you realize like, like, Oh shit, now I got this problem to solve. And now this problem to solve, uh, versus like previous years where it was just like 30 people. Um, honestly, just, uh, last minute, there were a lot of people that were just like, I need a bike. And it was like, I think we did as much as me and Steven did as much as we could to prepare. We, we connected with bike town um, through night, the Nike orange yeah. bikes around town, um, to give everyone uh, free codes for the day. If you didn't have a bike, you could rent one through them. Um, we connected with community cycling center. They were doing repairs at the park. Um, we connected with who else did we connect with? Gladys bikes just brought water. It was really hot. Like we didn't even, <laughs> we like forgot to bring like bring water for people. Um, so just like leading the, the day or two before where it was all of a sudden people were like, I need a bike, I need a bike, I need a bike. Um, that was a lot because I, even though we had planned and we, we had like resources for folks, I think it's just like, you know, last minute, like, oh shit, I don't have a bike or I have a flat. Where can I take it? Um, but it seemed like almost everyone we were able to help out in some way. Yeah, that's pretty amazing. You mentioned Gladys brought some water. Were there like other shops representing as well? I don't think so. The main the main shop we partnered with was Community Cycling Center. Oh yeah, they're great. Um, and they were. It was mostly Community Cycling Center and Gladys Bikes. Um, and then, I mean, like Black Girls Do Bike Kianda. That's not a shop, but they are like a really cool org that like also shared our ride they had a huge turnout as well because their ride was like two weeks before um so yeah it wasn't too many but 
community cycling center helped so much and they had folks who were bilingual, which I think was really helpful. Um, made it really accessible for people. Uh, they had like a pop-up little like shop area right at um, Irving park. So that was very helpful for people. So like, even if you showed up with a bike that was only half working, they had someone there to kind of help out. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Or, you know, you needed, they had a bunch of pumps. They had a bunch of pumps if you needed to just fill your air, your tires with air. Um, and yeah, it was cool. It's great. It's nice to see. Yeah. I enjoyed seeing, um, I believe it was Ebony was the, one of the official photographers for the ride. Mm-hmm. So I saw her a lot, you know, getting a lot of shots and got to see them afterwards um, when they were posted. So that was really cool. That was great. Yeah. It's like some people just showed up like Ebony was like, I'm going to take photos. And it's just things that we didn't even think about that people were like, Hey, we're going to, we're going to do this thing for you, which was nice because I think when you're overwhelmed like that and people are like, how can I help? I was just like, I don't even know how you can help me right now. <laughs> So the fact that people are like, I'm going to bring water or I'm going to take photos. Um, I'm going to help cork the intersections. I'm going to help just like be at the back of like at the very end of the group. Just things like that were so helpful. And so, I mean, it really showed that it was like a community effort. Like me and Steven put it on, but it was the work and result of a lot of people. Um, And then another way that folks helped out was through food like we got a lot of people at the last minute just offering like food donations um we thought we were gonna have to pay out of pocket because we really wanted the food aspect we thought that was like we liked that about the past rides because that was a way to like meet people and make community yeah and we didn't know how to do that in covid times so um we decided to bring food to the park so we um, collaborated with Meals for Heels, which is a um, nighttime delivery food service for sex workers in Portland. And it's black and queer owned. So we collaborated um, with them and we um, were able to pay them, which was the most important part for us. Um, but then also folks just... <laughs> told us at the last minute we're coming and we're bringing food <laughs> and we're like okay great because there's enough people to feed i mean to definitely eat all of it so that was great yeah there was no way you would be able to stop at a restaurant <laughs> or a, or no. a food pod for for all those people definitely not and i remember getting back because like uh i was leading the ride so i got back and i saw you know the folks with um the food at their stands and they were just like i could tell they were like overwhelmed like oh my god that's so (laughs) many people (laughs) but it was a great thing because they got them like so much attention yeah yeah that is pretty awesome uh did you have to change the route at all did i what did you have to change the routing at all oh my god yeah. yeah so we were trying to go to the west side because i've been trying to go to Deadstock coffee like every year because it's like one of the only black owned coffee shops in portland and i always want to go there because it's just like a really cool vibe it's like sneaker themed so it's just so unique and i always love going in there it's like a really cool place for like black creatives to hang out um but i just feel like riding on the west side in portland or just especially downtown uh, can be tricky, especially for folks who are newer to riding around, especially in, in, yeah. in a big group of people. Um, so we decided to just stay on the east side and do like kind of a more safe route through like greenways. Yeah, that, that makes so much more sense. It's really hard when, I mean, even, even like I would say over 50, 50 to 75 people, it's really hard to get a route that it's going to appeal to the masses unless you flatten it out. Right. Which then means, well, you can't go like so far East or you can't go so far West or, or even totally. north, like going up North. You've got to climb the Alameda Ridge. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, some people, even the bridge to cross, they were like, I can't do a bridge. I can't yeah. do bridges. Like oh. I, 
Um, some folks like have had bad experiences yeah. riding bikes on bridges in particular, or, you know, it's just like the, the slight hill they, they couldn't do. Also, you know, our ride is all ages. So there we're going to be kids there. So we were like, let's just make this safe and enjoyable and flat <laughs> and short. <laughs> so we get the most people to come out. So you said this is, this was like five yeah, this is about the fifth year that that this had happened. Um, yes, you had been riding bikes probably long before then. What is your experience riding? What got you into biking? Maybe is a better question to ask. What got me? So um, I went to college in Seattle, and I would just ride to get around town um, because it was usually faster than the bus. And I didn't have a car. So I had like one long commute um, from the university to uh, Soto, which is um, on the south, like kind of South Seattle. Um, It was like a 12 mile round trip commute um, every day, which like now doesn't seem too bad but at the time i was like wow this is so daunting and also (laughs) like seattle has a lot of hills so that was just something to keep in mind i biked through downtown seattle i don't think i could ever do it without a a good amount of gears on that bike yeah yeah so i mean honestly i had one friend who was like i don't think you can do it and i was like okay bet so i'm gonna do it (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) and like uh, so I was like, I don't know. I think they're just, that's just like this, uh, pattern that I have is people say, I don't think you can do it. And then I just like, that's the fuel I need to fucking prove them wrong. So <laughs> that's kind of what got me into it. Yeah. And I just got really, I didn't realize that like Seattle is more hilly than, than most other cities. So, um, you know, it got me real pretty strong, just like riding through, um, like downtown Capitol Hill, Beacon Hill, like all the hills. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they all have hill at the end of their name. I started feeling like biking was a good escape from just everything else, from work and everything. It was just nice to like reset and just like see where your legs your legs could take you. So um, that's kind of what got me started is someone telling me I couldn't do it. <laughs> <laughs> Can I ask you what your first bike was? Um, it was like a Raleigh Mixty that I got at Recycled Cycles right near the right university. Um, it it was definitely old school, and I think that also made my legs stronger because I don't think it was meant to go through what I made it go through. <laughs> yes. <laughs> what bike do you have now? Um, I have a Surly Crosscheck Traveler. I'm a big fan of Surly. Yeah, and I, I only have one bike. I I'm almost to the point where I I'm I think I need another one, but yeah, I I still kind of only use one bike for most things. It's not about need. It's a good all around bike, I would say. <laughs> really yeah. yeah. You said it was a traveler's check, so that's the one with the S and S couplers in it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you can take it apart, basically like break it in half, put it back together. Have you taken it anywhere? <laughs> I've taken it places, but I haven't like broken it from the couplers because uh, I just, I don't know. I get nervous. It's just like, <laughs> I don't know. You should be able to just break the frame in half like that. So I'm, I haven't done it, but I've definitely, I've, I've traveled with it um, just in a bike bag. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. That's hilarious. Um, you've also done some, uh, I'm reluctant to say, but I don't have another word for this. You've done some bike adventures with uh, the Swift <laughs> Uh, what is it? Swift Industries. Oh yeah, bike adventures. Yeah, yeah. I would call it that. Okay, I I have a, a Swift Industries uh, handlebar bag. I really like their stuff. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Where have you gone with them? The most recent adventure we went on it was to Bennett's Pass uh, near Mount Hood, um, and there's a trail called the Barlow Trail, which I think was like oh yeah. It is near Mount Hood. It's like a wagon trail. So I I think they used it like straight up like in the Oregon Trail or something. Oh, yeah. But it's very, very rocky. (laughs) 
And, um, yeah, so that was like, that was recently. And that was probably the most technical, like gravel route I've ever done. Um, which was really fun. And I only fell once, which was great. (laughs) Obviously you didn't injure yourself too much when you fell then. No, no. I think I fell pretty gracefully. Um, but yeah, it, it, I definitely want to go back. It's, it's, it's beautiful up there. And I don't know, the air just like feels different up there. It's pretty nice. So yeah, we did that. Um, and it was with my friend Grichelle, who is, um, in the like photography scene, uh, and our friend Courtney. Um, and then I've done another one with Grichelle, um, near the painted Hills. Oh, those are beautiful. In Mitchell, Oregon. Yeah, I've never been there before. The Painted Hills are on my bucket list. Yeah, it's beautiful and also very technical. There's one um, kind of like canyon that you have to ride through, and it's like slightly up uphill the whole way, but it's so beautiful, and I don't know. It definitely just feels like the desert. It's just so cool in Oregon. You can go to like the mountains. You can go to Mount Hood. You can go to a river, you can go to the beach, you can go to the desert. It's just, it's, I think we're really lucky that we have so much um, to just like discover on bike. Like mm-hmm. it's so bike friendly, which is amazing. Um, and yeah, I'm grateful to Swift for giving me the opportunity to see really cool parts of Oregon that I've never seen before. Yeah, I really like their stuff. I think I already said that, but I'll say it again. <laughs> I really like their stuff. That bag is is uh yeah, close to five years old now and oh nice it's holding up pretty well. Yeah, they're dope. Let's talk about the music. Yeah, we could we could pivot into the I don't have a good segue. I'll just go right into it. So Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, let's talk about DJing. Um, okay. Yeah. So it's funny because we we're just talking about how I worked at X-Ray. Oh yeah. Um, we recorded. yeah. Which is a radio station here in Portland. And yeah, you guys used to work out of the studios for the yeah. podcast. Yeah. We rented before, you know, everything closed down because of the coronavirus. We uh, rented a studio over there. Um, really good people. I really like it. Yeah. I worked there for a bit. I still have a host a radio show on X-Ray and I just got connected really quickly, you know, to the, the DJ and artist and musician scene through X-Ray. Um, and a lot of folks were asking, when are you going to DJ or can you DJ this gig for me? Uh, kind of like, de- like it, it was like a demand that I needed to fill. It was like, <laughs> really? Like I, I wanted to learn, but it was like that what kind of gave me the, the push to really like, you know, start doing it. Um, and I'm grateful to X-Ray because I already knew a lot of DJs to, to get started who, who were DJing like at, at bars and at clubs and around town. So. Um, yeah, I'm grateful that it was, it might've been a little easier for me than others to, to get in because, um, yeah, just like using that community and, and, um, yeah, connecting with people that way. So, um, yeah, I think I'm going on like three years, um, DJing, so still fairly new. Um, and I started a DJ program with my friend Shira called We Got Next, which is a digital DJ workshop for uh, folks underrepresented in the mainstream. So basically, we are trying to fill a need so that we see more people behind the decks that look like us. So um, the program is specifically for women, trans, femme, non binary folks and people of color and the queer community. So, um, yeah, we had initially planned for it to be a weekend workshop, uh, where folks could get a crash course in DJing, uh, with some industry veterans in Portland. 
but then COVID happened and, you know, everything <laughs> had to shift. <laughs> um, and so we moved it all online, uh, which has been also really challenging, but also cool because we made it even more accessible for people um, because now folks from all over the world can, can tune in um, to We Got Next. So we have around 70 participants right now. Oh, wow. And um, yeah, it's been fun. We're like on a break. We're on a two-week break. Um, the whole program is uh, six weeks and we've partnered with Serato, which if you know anything about DJing, they're um, a pretty big DJ software company. Um, I use Serato to DJ and I know that's a bunch of other people who use it. So we partnered with them to like offer DJ software licenses and they've offered gear and just been a big support. So, um, yeah, it's been a good, a good, um, (laughs) test of my limitations in quarantine, but also really rewarding too. Yeah. That's amazing. Um, what turned out to be sort of a limitation ended up expanding your, uh, your participation. Totally. Yeah. I'm so trying I, to think. I said, I wanted to talk about the music cause I was going to use the music to bring it back to the bike stuff oh. because it's really interesting. I did, I knew that you were obviously leading the black liberation ride. Uh, but when Aaron said you were on the show, I started I have to look some more stuff up. And uh, so you're part of Noche Libre, right? Correct. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the thing, so part of Noche Libre, why don't you talk a little bit about that and then I'll, I'll bring more, I'll bring my story back into it. <laughs> yeah. So Noche Libre is a Latinx uh, DJ collective in Portland. So we're all Latinx non-binary femme DJs who uh, used to have a monthly at Digapony. Um, and we basically just play all the stuff that we would never hear when we were out in the club. So we'll play a lot of like cumbia, reggaeton, like older stuff like quebradita and like rancheras and things that maybe like your tios would play at like, you know, the cookout. <laughs> um, stuff my dad would listen to on Sunday afternoons. Yeah. So I, I guess I should mention too that my mom is Mexican. So through Noche Libre, I've been connecting more to like that side of my culture and everything and that's been really fun to find a community in Portland where a lot of also a lot of the DJs and the scene is like kind of very masculine the DJ industry sort of uh parallel the bike industry or are there parallels maybe I'm drawing Um, a parallel I mean from what the YouTube videos look like I would say yeah I mean it's like I only know my experience and like what I see on YouTube and so like most of the tutorials that I watch for DJing are mostly yeah like white dudes and same with bikes (laughs) so I would say yes I wondered so so Emily Prado is also part of that collective is that correct yeah you know Emily I don't know her personally, but I, I, I know her as a writer. And so I know her as a writer reporter. And the way I'm going to bring it back to bikes is I remembered she had posted something. I think I might follow, follow her on Twitter or something. She um, posted about Adonia Lugo coming to town to talk about her bike, bike race. Yes. And so I was like, all that stuff. Is, so then all that stuff came back. And then when I looked this up and I saw that, that you were a DJ and part of that, and it was like, oh, yeah. And so I went to see um, – Dr. Lugo come when she gave her talk and cool. uh, that was really cool. So yeah, that was cool at that event. And, uh, it was, it sort of introduced me to the, like the whole, um, this whole DJ collective thing. I had not heard about it before. So I was really glad to get, uh, find out more about that and, and get, get more interesting into that. And then, and finding out your show and, uh, some other things you do in music, like work and stuff. So that was, um, I actually had known about that. But uh, it's cool. It's cool to bring all that stuff together. I love that. I love all the ties when they come back together. And it, it turns out to be like this circle of, of music and bikes. <laughs> oh, totally. And it's like, will like, it kind of makes a statement. Like, I feel like when you're writing, I usually, I write a lot of the times with music. And even that kind of like, you're making a statement with your music, even if you don't really realize it, like, 
I rarely, I never hear anyone playing reggaeton while they're riding their bike. So I'll be the one to play it, <laughs> you know, while I'm like riding through Forest Park. I'm like, okay, well, this is what I want to listen to while I'm trying to climb this hill. So, you know, it's like, it really can, can, I don't know. Yeah. Like you said, I come full circle. Like I, um, I rode with, um, some friends to Abbey Creek Vineyard, which is, um, kind of like an Oregon wine country. And then on the way back, we like rode up this giant hill and it was really gnarly. But then I like had, I found a DJ mix that I wanted to play specifically for the hard hills. And then, you know, it was nice to like hear my friends be like, Oh my God, this is giving me life. Like, you know, like it really does come full circle. It's pretty cool. So do you ride with a speaker then? Sometimes. Yeah. I'll put it in my little water bottle cage. Yes. I I ride with a speaker. I don't like to ride with headphones, but I know a lot of people do ride with headphones or or earphones. Yeah. I'm not about that. Yeah. I need to hear. Yeah. 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 It's been cool too, to some Noche Libre people are getting more into to biking. So it's been nice to make that connection too. Yeah. Maybe when the uh, social rides come back more, there'll be one. Totally. Yeah. I would love to do a ride with um, the numbers FM. I don't know if you guys are familiar with them, but they're like, Oh yeah. Portland's black radio station. Essentially. They're like a sister station to X-ray FM. Yeah. on 96.7 fm quick plug I, <laughs> and i found a um, lot of i artists. wanted to uh, a goal of mine is to do like something like a traveling cookout ride or something where like someone's djing on the back of a truck and then we're like all riding with the dj um just around portland so that'd be pretty awesome that's I love, a goal yeah we'll see I love the numbers. I found a lot of a lot of music through that station that I, I'm now into that I don't think I would have heard otherwise. Yeah, they're just so they're just like their approach is so great. Like the fact that you know they have someone who owns a black hair salon that makes a playlist. They have you know folks who are just like community icons, but not essentially like in the scene making playlists. Like that's you know amazing and really like what community radio is about right it's like yeah. spreading that that network yeah that's a cool approach yeah janae thank you so much for hanging out with us um, yeah thanks for having me <laughs> sure. yeah thank you um if anyone wants to connect with you um via online or connect with we got next um is there a way you would like for our listeners to do so that was an awkwardly worded question. <laughs> um, I would say my DJ Instagram probably is the best way, um, which is at DJ Black Daria on Instagram. That's D-A-R-I-A. Um, if you know the show Daria, the cartoon. Oh, um, you posted a patch, right? Of, yeah. Of a Black Dar- Daria. That's what that's all about. Awesome. Yeah. Well, yeah. And I've been told by multiple people that my voice is like Daria esque. So um, that's where the name came from. But yeah, Black Daria on Instagram. That's probably the best way to connect. Right on. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for joining us. Yeah. All right. Thank you so much. Have a good rest of your evening. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Here is our calendar. Don't don't ever use that. First up on our calendar, the Swift Summit again canceled, but will be continuing on next year if all goes well. Oh, I know, but did you see what he's doing with the Swift Summit stuff? Um, I know he's made some shirts that are really yeah, cool. Yeah, with the mask on them. I totally want one, but I wasn't registered yet because I wasn't sure. If I was going to be able to do it, this that was pre-COVID. Yeah. And so, ah, that was a bummer. Anyway, so I hope I can get one of those shirts, though. Yeah. I was going to look into that last week, and then I never did. I don't think he posted anything else about it. All right. So, moving on. 
Moving on, the last 500 for this year was canceled. Um, however, it is on the calendar for 2021, April 10th. The last 500 was wisely canceled for this year. But now you have time to work on your team costume or your team. Or your team. Year. <laughs> you never go with the team, though. You always like just show up, don't you? Oh, last minute. Yeah, last minute. That's like that's like your team. <laughs> who wants to be on my team? Or who, I'll be on your team. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> September 10th through the 13th this year, though is the 18th annual Film by Bike, a series of interactive YouTube live stream events featuring the world's best bike movies, an all-new collection for 2020. Yay! Yeah. Have you, and they have you also your just tickets? started a new submission for Black Indigenous People of Color to, 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 to sort of like a last-minute submit your films. Oh, cool. So, yeah, so go to the Phil by Mike website to uh, get more information about that. So right if you're black, indigenous, person of color, and you want to uh, include a film, uh, just go check it out. Awesome. And that was. What can compare with the thrill of a brand new bike? All right. From the Portland Mercury, TriMet wants your thoughts on police and security on transit. A June report from the Portland City Auditor's Independent Police Review found that the Transit Division didn't have adequate police accountability because police officers on TriMet vehicles come from so many different police agencies with different procedures. So now... TriMet is asking the public for feedback on how its police and security presence affects riders. A new TriMet public service or public safety survey asks riders about what makes them feel safe or unsafe while using TriMet and what changes the agency could make. So this is an online survey that we have linked to. We're going to post a link uh, with these show notes about what does it feel to ride yeah, I saw some them. tweets about this survey and yeah. people were complaining that it was very, um, the questions they were asking were very uh, directed. Let's put oh, it that way. Were they like leading and questions? So, I, so I, I've taken it. I've taken a survey. Uh-huh. I went through and I took it and I, and then, and it was basically, it's like, do you want us to police you this way? Or do you want us to police you that way? You know, sort of something like that. Uh-huh. So uh, they had, you know, they had places on there where you can type in your own answers or your own submissions stuff. So that was good. It was good that that was provided, let's put it that way. I just pulled up the survey right now. (laughs) Have you been riding TriMet during the pandemic? Yes, I have. Yeah, I have not ridden TriMet in a long time. Oh, yeah? Well, you don't... I think the last public transportation I used was the tram. (laughs) That was in February. (laughs) Uh, I... I depend on it. Anna really depends on it to get to the oh, airport yeah. and back. Yeah. Um, I don't at this point foresee us getting an automobile uh, or even needing one, despite some of the setbacks that, that transit has posed for us. But yeah. Anyways, uh, for those of you interested in Portland's transit uh, company and would like to uh, send your voice to uh, some changes around policing. Take their survey and write in your own answers. If it sounds like the question is too direct. <laughs> well, fearless, fearless trimet. Yeah, that was that was bandied about many times. I don't. We should keep talking about it. I would totally. be all for, all for it. I don't like to say free because it's not free, and it's it's subsidized. Somebody's got to pay for it, right? But it doesn't have to necessarily be the riders in the format of a fare, right? So that's why I like to say fareless. I I think that's good verbiage. Yeah, just yeah. like we used to have fareless square. We used to. We still should. <laughs> <laughs> well, we don't have a fareless square for transit. No. But you know what we do have? We got mail. 
water on an electrical fire of any kind lithium ion yeah. or or otherwise get your bar get your bicarbonate <laughs> of soda so here he goes oh there it is no <laughs> he sprayed it and I, then it just sort of blazes oh up. that's oh no that's not it oh <laughs> it just starts spouting out flames and he just keeps spraying it yeah he oh. doesn't stop it goes and on and, and on. And he keeps getting closer. In fact, oh, he goes I on can't. so much, I think I stopped watching the video. Oh, I can't keep watching. Yeah. <laughs> getting different. <laughs> it's like five more minutes of this. Uh, no, no, no. Yeah, definitely have uh, uh, professionals work on your electric bike and electric bike batteries. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder what happened to to start the initial smoking. Oh, well. Uh, actually, there's a somebody posted. I don't know if it was on the original post. I can't remember who originally posted. I think it might have been. Uh, I've got VK Mag. Corey Poole. Corey Poole might okay. have originally posted it, uh, and I reposted from him. Oh, okay. Uh, but somebody in one of the comment trails had an explanation of what they think had happened. Oh. It's like by by looking at the wires on the ground and seeing what he, the things tools he was using. I think this is what happened. I'm like, wow, you can tell that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Unless you know a lot about electric electric work and batteries, um, I would definitely take your e-bike to the shop. Yes. Ah. Next up, from my partner, everybody's favorite sprocket-adjacent lady. I don't know. That's a, that's a terrible intro. Let's edit that one out. From Anna, she sends us a link to an article on the Surly blog, The Realities of a Black Man in the Bike World. Wesley Ferguson, 26, is a bike mechanic at Venture North Bikes and Coffee, a North Minneapolis nonprofit organization working to increase racial, economic, and gender equality within the and beyond the biking community. He has a degree in film a hound named Harvey, and a thing for video games and mountain biking. These are his experiences as a black man who rides bikes, told in his own words and edited for length. And this is in North Minneapolis, which we lived, well, not we, Anna lived in, in was it? Oh, that's right, Central? Yeah. Central Minneapolis? North of Uptown, not North Minneapolis, though. Apparently, North Minneapolis is like its own neighborhood. Um, but, yeah, it's a cool article. Uh, one of my takeaways is now I got to visit Venture North Bikes and Coffee next time I'm in Minneapolis because I didn't even know that existed. I've never been to Minneapolis. Oh, really? It's a cool city. I like I liked visiting every time I oh. went. I could see myself living there. In the summers, <laughs> or maybe late spring. <laughs> well, sir, we have done it. Cool. We have reached the end of all things. How how are you feeling on your? This really isn't your second co-hosting though, because you've kind of subbed in a, a few times before this. Oh yeah, yeah. That was guest host, so that's why I asked you. Is it guest host, co-host? Special guest host, special co-guest <laughs> co host. Nah, just co-host is fine. Co-host. I get it, I get it. Okay. 
All right. You ready to read this? This outro? Yes. Okay. <laughs> the Sprocket Podcast was formerly produced at X-Ray FM Studios. Thank you, X-Ray. Our website is thesprocketpodcast.com. Email to thesprocketpodcast at gmail.com. Call or text to 503-847-9774. Twitter and the Instagrams at Sprocket Podcast. Thanks to Ryan J. Lane for our theme music. Herbert for our headline sounder. Marcus Norman for graphic design. And thank you to the generous support of our Patreon supporters and listeners. Shadowfoot, Wayne Norman, Eric Iverson. Cameron Lean, Richard Wazinski. Tom, I'm sorry, Tim Mooney. Glenn Kubish, Matt Kelly, Eric Weiss. Todd Parker, Dan Gephardt. Who's a time traveler. Chris Smith, Caleb Jenkinson, J.P. Cooley. Peanut Butter Jar Matt, Marco Lowe, Rich Otterstrom. Rich Otterstrom. (laughs) Andrew in Colorado, Drew the Welder, Anna, who rescued a burnt Juanita from the oven today. Andre Johnson, King of Division, Richard G. Guthrie Straw, who's out in the woods. Aaron Green, author of We Were Like Sons and founder of the Regranary. Campsite, Mac Nurse David, Nathan Poulton. Rory in Michigan, Jeremy Kitchen, David Belay. Tim Coleman, Harry Hugel, E.J. Finnerman. Brad Hipwell, Thomas Skato, Keith Hutchinson. Ranger Tom, Joyce Wilson, Ryan Tam. Jason Oftenberg, Microcosm Publishing, David Moore. Todd Grosbeck, Chris Barron. Chris, Chris Barron. Chris Barron. Sean Baird, Simon Pace, Gregory Braithwaite. Ryan Morrow, Dude Luna. That's hey, that's you. you. Matthew Rooks. <gasps> Marshall, Paul at Funitake Cyclecraft. Philip M. Spartandale, no, no relation. relation. Mr. T, who never really left. Bike Initiative, Keweenaw, Sarah G. Adam D. Go Dig a Hole, Beth Hammond. Greg Murphy, Myra Martinez, Oso. Isaac M. David Christensen, 503. Byron Patterson, JT. And our newest donor, Kirsten Graham. And all of our former donors who helped us get this far. Now, wash your hands. And wear your mask. <laughs> Right on.